0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very special introduction to this episode of Televisions, the podcast. You will hear my normal spiel momentarily, but first I thought that I should uh, give you guys a bit of a warning and an apology for the first time in a year plus of recording this show on my bedroom floor. We finally had some technical difficulties that uh, (laughs) you're definitely going to hear because I sound like I am in a well. Apologies in advance. I hope you still enjoy the conversation. Fingers crossed that the technological gods smile on us next week. Thanks and enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Blogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions and joining me as usual for... Whatever this is, is my co-host and partner in crime, Miss Annie Bottle. Hello. Hello.
1: I, I think I think that today being a bit of a hot mess recording day is perfect for our subject.
0: Um I don't know what's messier, our subject or us trying to record this. Um Yeah. It's okay.
1: We'll get through it. We'll get through This
0: is for those of you playing along at home. Here's a little uh a little backstage look into the glamorous life of uh professional podcasting so far uh my neighbors are engaging in some kind of home care diy that involves really loud banging so if you hear weird stuff in the background that it could be that it could be that for some reason my computer fan sounds like a small jet engine um i don't know guys this is uh this is gonna be a very sort of choose your own adventure day and that is before before we start talking about today's actual topic. Woo!
1: And today's topic is a very messy, messy show. Um, we're, you want to you, you do the introduction?
0: Uh, I don't even know how to really introduce this. Um, okay. It is, it is a show
1: that I'm not sure
0: many people are actually watching. It's one of the shows that, that I feel like we sort of all were like curious about what would happen with it. It has a messy sort of pedigree its plot is kind of all over the place it is hbo's victorian steampunk superhero fantasy series say that five times fast the nevers
1: so here's the thing about the nevers um i which i i feel you know um first of all you know Coco Chanel once said that a woman is supposed to look in the mirror before she goes out and take off one accessory. And I feel desperately that The Nevers is a TV show that should look in the mirror and take off one plot point before exiting the house. Like every single episode. Um, It is... the, The thing is, is that... As a creative work of fiction, it is a fascinating exercise. One of the things that we don't get a lot, especially in prestige TV, is a completely original work of fiction. And that's because prestige tv shows have huge budgets so when tv so when you know production studios invest in them they want something that they know is going to bring in a huge audience they want a game of thrones that has a, a, a book fandom they want a, his dark materials or they want something like marvel that has all the comic books and has a whole fandom that stretches back for generations right so here we have something which is not that at all like there is there, there, there's no comic book there, there, there's no novels there's there's nothing we can consult there's no spoilers over you know on your kindle for $9.99 like none of that exists okay this is a completely new work that comp- that was created from the mind of Joss Whedon and um we should sort of understand that um, Joss Whedon is one of these people who basically is a a, a product of the pre- of the rise of prestige TV because okay when prestige TV first. Began, You know, there was sort of this idea of this high art television and high art television needs to have sort of an auteur. So like in in the same way that we have directors like Robert Altman or like the Cohen brothers who people rush out to see their movies because, you know, it's a, you know, people go out and see a Spike Lee joint because it's a Spike Lee joint. You know, this is this, you know, we have like it wasn't just The Wire. It was David Simon's The Wire. You know, you didn't just tune in to watch Watchmen. You watched it because it was Lindelof, who was the guy behind The Leftovers and Law. Lost.
0: I um, mean, let The Watchman is also The Watchman. So. Yeah,
1: like that too, but, <laughs> but, different. But, but it was also half sold on the fact that D- the that Damon Lindelof had done The Leftovers, which was this, this, this very critically acclaimed show on HBO beforehand, and Lost, which was this huge hit for ABC. So Joss Whedon was actually part of the initial vanguard of this group. His Buffy the Vampire Slayer was so popular, it literally was used to launch an entire broadcast network. Right. Like the CW used it to launch itself like that. There are very few shows in the world that can claim that like the Simpsons on Fox, Masterpiece on PBS, Sesame Street are basically about it. Um, You know, so. The thing is, and then, you know, Joss Whedon also went on to, like, make movies. And it's not like he didn't just make movies. He literally did The Avengers, which is the reason the MCU exists as it does today. It had the largest opening weekend of all time when it arrived. The reason that Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is as big as it is is partly due to him. The fact that Disney Plus exists is partly due to his success in making Marvel into one of the largest franchises in the world. So... Nevers was supposed to be like his hilarious when you consider how poor his second Avengers film was.
0: Age of Ultron is garbage. I said it.
1: It's true. Um, The Nevers was supposed to be like his great comeback to television after going into movies and doing movies. And, you know, it, it has a lot of the reasons why, you know, the, 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 that his work was held in such high regard for so many years. Like, he balances an enormous amount of storytelling in every episode and he makes it look easy. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, it is it is actually quite remarkable how enjoyable every episode is considering how overstuffed they are. Um, no, no, I, 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 it is actually quite, it, it is, it's an, it, it is an amazing, it is a tribute to him that this is in no way, a a disaster of a show right um because on on paper it really should be um the thing is though and this is this is part of the problem is because he is such a powerful person because he had his name held in such high regard and he had this you know completely original idea that he came to television with warner media the people who own hbo were like no no, let him get out of the way genius at work here don't 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 criticize it and this desperately needs editing desperately okay so let let me break down to you what the plot is all right thank you thank you i was
0: i was gonna say that some at some point we should tell the people like what the show is about
1: okay so about three years before the show happens a ship flew over london and sprinkled basically like glitter bombs all over the people and some people, it, those glitter bombs didn't touch, but those that it did became what are known as the touched. Um, they basically developed superpowers, like think X Men, thinks the mutations in X Men. Um, some of like one of them grew to like, <sighs> yeah, like they like one uh, like a uh, uh, Amalia True, who's played by Laura Donnelly, who is the lead in the show. Her 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 turn, as they call it, is the ability to see ripples of the future. Um, her her, her second-in-command, uh, Penance, uh, has the ability to sort of see energy and sort of, like, becomes, like, this genius inventor. Um, there's another girl, Myrtle, who basically can speak every language except English. Um... I, I, some of them are just like, you know, they they have super strength and the, some of them are just really big, um, like the, the, totally different. Like one can turn things to glass by breathing on them. Like the, the, there are many different kinds. Um so true basically decides that she's going to go out and start this orphanage to bring in as many of these you know touched people as she can and most of them are women most of them are actually young girls so they can sort of band together against a patriarchy that treats them as freaks Her main antagonist M- Malady um is basically sort of formed an opposite group of criminals she's been using her power to murder her enemies and basically like the kind of people who want to like have this power or have this power and want to use it for their own gain sort of like you know flock to her um
0: she is also basically if you are a buffy person who watched buffy she is drusilla but victorian
1: yeah, she is a uh, quote unquote crazy. Um, I I really hate using that word, but she th- she's played as a psychopath, a sociopath who 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 her, her her strength comes from pain. When she's in pain, she becomes basically like a super soldier kind of thing. Um, so true teams up with Scotland Yard's detective Frank Mundy, who's played by Ben Chaplin, to track down Malady and and to stop her. Partly be partly because you know she's murdering people, she's freaking serial killer, but also because the 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 PR damage her group is doing with these strings of murders is making it so that the British government is basically like considering outlawing powered people and will basically, you know, pull them all off the streets and murder them. And so she basically wants this to stop because otherwise there will be this massacre. This by itself would be more than enough for a show, right? Like that just there is enough. The problem is there's more, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, there's like three more subplots. So. <laughs> but wait, there's more. The government isn't seeking to outlaw them. It's a small cabal led by Pip Torrens from a uh, Poldark um who 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 is driven by this because he has a touch daughter locked away with the hell's housekeeper who he pretend he, they they're pretending she's dead but the housekeeper keeps her locked in the attic. Um let's see. There's also Hugo Swan who's played by James Norton who's the g- degenerate heir of 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 another like proud like lord person who was friends with Torrens before he died. And, and and Swan is like, you know, he, he basically was the second son. He wasn't supposed to inherit and he's sort of this loush um, you know jerk who basically looks at these touched women and sees them as a resource to be exploited for his own wealth. And so he's basically opened a brothel filled with touched women so that you can use them in... in, You can use their powers to basically get yourself off. This Um, uh,
0: subplot is
1: the reminder... That this show is on premium
0: cable. Yes.
1: That is why this subplot exists. It is is literally there so that naked women can be hung from ceilings and walk around with no shirts on and so forth. Um, uh, Swan also is, Swan, first of all, he's having a gay affair or had one with Mundy. Um, Mundy is in the closet. And so Swan is literally like blackmailing Mundy to basically like feed him information about True and her group. Um, he's also roped in Augie, who is the younger brother of Lady Bidlow, to basically be like the front for his business because he himself is sort of like a degenerate lout and nobody wants to give him money. Lady Bidlow, in turn, is actually the benefactor of True School. Um, so we think when we first meet her that she's this you know you know this, this, this per she's a uh, confined to a wheelchair and she um uh, and and so she has this idea that you know she she basically goes around saying you know I I know what it's like to be looked at as you are afflicted and I I, I am your champion but she actually also is secretly funding another group that basically uses the 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 rumors of true school to bring in girls and 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 kidnap them off the street and basically commit like like lumbotomies on them to see what it is that makes them touched and then the lumbotomized girls are sent underground to basically excavate this glowing orb that they've found that may or may not be connected to these superpowers that these women have uh that these women have developed you know i i mean seriously that uh, uh, you got all that because i haven't even mentioned the street gang with nick frost or um or or mary brighton which is a li- which is uh eleanor tomlinson who who can sing this beautiful song and and all of the and all and all of the touched people they, they they they're the only ones who can hear it and they're drawn to her there is jesus there is so much yeah it is <sighs> really
0: look I was really, I was really personally looking forward to the show because for those of you who have experienced me outside of this podcast, you are probably already aware that sort of like superhero stories and period dramas are my two main lanes of interest. So a Venn diagram of these two things combined feels like a show that should be a slam dunk for me. Um, I didn't ask for this show, so I don't know. Um, I think I actually do like this show more than most other people i know who sort of uh write and work in this space but if i could lop off like two subplots i 100% would because i think it's a it's too hard to keep track of everyone but b it dilutes the like the clearly pointless james norton owns a brothel subplot for me, has no real redeeming narrative value when you put it up next to the story of like Amalia's Orphanage, which is like the the sort of vertical of the series where the show has the most interesting things to say because this is, you know, the Victorian era is a time of very like rapid progress and advancements in science and in technology and sort of philosophy. Like it's a very... Like, it's it's a progress for a lot of people, for a lot of groups, but no progress for other groups. And I think it's not an accident that this show is trying, I think, to explore what happens when you give some modicum of power to the people who are least likely to have ever had it before. And, like, what does that do to them? What does that do to the society? How does this larger society react to those people because when you normally think about superhero stories, for the most part, I'm going to leave out a lot of X-Men stuff because uh, usually in X-Men comics, like uh, a mutant is a, just sort of a, 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 a write over for some uh, marginalized group in some way. Like the Bryan Singer movies, being a mutant is very clearly coded to being LGBT, LGBTQ in some way. But here That here, this is just a lot of people who have never had access to this kind of thing before in stories like Marvel or DC Comics, like Tony Stark, Bruce Wayne, they're all already rich before they ever become heroes or get superpowers or whatever. Like they already know how to navigate a world that in some sense they have some stake in or control over. These people don't. And I think that for me is like where the show is most interesting not just in the sense of like of course all of the people who are in positions of power are turning against these young women these poor people these people of color who are very different and other and they don't know how to you know they 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 don't know what it's like to ever have power and these people don't want them to have any power so there's a very interesting dynamic there for me but it doesn't help that all their powers are sort of really lame like it's hard to talk about like how they're gonna sort of change society for the better when like someone's ability is like can levitate boxes
1: a little bit. <laughs> they can uh, I, I believe there's one who can break vases. um there's one who basically is ten feet tall that that's her power. she's ten feet tall. Um like yeah, and those are the kind, or the girl
0: who can speak any language, but she can't control which language she's speaking. So she is even more other than isolated than she would otherwise have been, just as being, you know, a a working class girl.
1: Yeah, like some of them are actually there are a few useful ones. Like Bonfire Annie can make can kindle fire. Um, the the doctor, Doctor Cousins, Cousins, um, he uh he he can heal with his hands. Like there's a few, you know, but then again, there's Augie's power. Like he's a secretly touched guy, and he his power is that he can switch. Is which point of view with birds? Yeah, that's um, like, terrible. Like, there's just, it's just very, it's just very odd. And like, I, I, I have to say, it, it's creative, it's different, it's nothing like, you know, it it, it takes all of the sort of hallmarks of our regular, it takes all of our sort of hallmarks of our regular fiction that we're, get- that we're used to, things like the X-Men, things like Sherlock, things like the Irregulars, and it sort of smashes them all together in a very interesting and new way. And I, I appreciate that because that's not something we get. But at the same time, like, I am just like, there is just so much. And, you know, you, you said that, you know, Swan's storyline is probably the weakest. It doesn't help that James Norton is also the weakest link in this cast. Um, like, honestly, like, I feel like every time he's on screen, he's basically like, Me? Popular for playing a priest? Surely you jest. Like it's basically every line that he ever says. Like it, it doesn't matter what he's actually saying because that's what he's saying when he's on screen, and it's frustrating as hell because there are actually really good performances in this show as well. I find Chaplin as the detective to be great. Like I really want a detective show that he stars in now. Like Torrance is Torrance is always great. Like let let's be, let's be honest, he was fantastic in The Crown. He was fantastic in Poldark. Um, Tomlinson is also lovely. Um, even though she basically gets fridged at the end end of the episode three so that everyone can have an emotional drive to go work in the next few episodes which is another really like
0: I will fully own that I was a big fan of Joss Whedon's previous work I loved Buffy I loved Angel I loved Firefly I loved Dollhouse which really did get a lot better once you got past the first two extremely problematic episodes but um so I feel I feel really I feel really weird about my relationship to this show because of that, but because of the way that like, I have spent a lot of time with his previous works. Like a lot of this is really just doing the things he tends to do in his shows. Um, This, he, he bowed out of this series while they were still making this first part. So i really am interested to see what happens with the show. If it, Once it continues and has a different voice behind it, because I wasn't even surprised that they fridge Mary because he's done it like multiple times in the past. And it's always like the kindest, like most glowing soul that he has to like snuff out to prove the brutality of man or something.
1: Um, Okay, so. It, the thing about Whedon stuff, and, you know, I, as I said, Buffy is in rarefied air, you know, as, as a show that actually launched a network, but... Um, But Buffy also hasn't aged well. And it's a a lot of it is because it is very male gazy. You shut your mouth. I will fight you about Buffy. (laughs) No, literally, there is an episode in Buffy. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm just saying that
0: there is more good in it than bad.
1: I I will agree that there are definitely good things in it. But there's also episodes where, like, rape is basically the substitute for a character arc, right? Like, there is just, there is a a lot of, I use the word fridging to to sort of, explain that to anybody who hasn't heard that phrase before basically the idea is that um women it it comes from the phrase women in refrigerators where a woman is basically killed in a ludicrous manner in order for her husband to have a drive to do something or the the person who loved the man who loved her to 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 be driven to 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 go and do whatever it is he's supposed to be doing um and that's that's basically been shorthanded into the phrase of fridging a character um You know, I just nothing about what happened in this show surprises me. It's just that there's so much of it. This is only the first three episodes that I described to you guys. All right. This is supposed to be a 10 episode first season. And that's just the first three episodes. Right. Like that was enough for like two seasons that I described there. And, that, and, and, you know, like each of the things in and of itself makes sense. Okay. It makes sense that it wouldn't be the British government that actually wants to outlaw powered people, but a small coterie within it. It makes sense that the person who leaves that coterie might actually have like an emotional attachment to someone who was touched and is very angry about the fact that this thing happened to the, the, their loved one. Like these things make sense. Um, and that he wouldn't be able to bring himself to kill her but hide her away. Like makes sense. At the same time like the whole Lady Bidla thing like it makes absolute sense that she would as someone who is you know secretly funding experiments on the touched and experiments on the thing that sort of maybe made the touch would also then go out and very publicly fund you know a, a, a an orphan orphanage and look like a benefactor and make herself basically whitewashing herself, right? Like the, these things each in a vacuum makes sense altogether. It's just so much. Um, and you mentioned that Whedon has stepped away. One of, one of the things about, um, we won't get into this here, but Whedon has been accused of m- misbehaving, um, in previous shows and previous movies to the actors. And, um, And these allegations, some of them seem extremely credible. We don't actually know if they're true because we weren't there. Um, But I I, I wouldn't. They are the kind of bad management situations that happen when you take someone and put them in a management position without them actually having given any management skills. And one of the things about one of the things about. Uh, uh, the, the the rise of the showrunner is that you've basically taken a, a person who's very good at sitting alone in a room and writing a show and basically make them a, a, a mini CEO of their own little you know television show, Inc. And if that television show, Inc. is making a hell of a lot of money, that's a hell of a lot of pressure you just put on that person who may or may not actually have a single management skill in their body. Um, and you're not giving them any kind of management training. You're just putting them there and going, hey, guess what? You're really good at this thing that has nothing to do with management. So guess what? Now you get to manage, right? And a lot of the allegations strike me as the kind of thing that happens when you do that to someone who has no management skills. Um, But that's neither here nor there. The thing is that these allegations came out while the show was filming. And because of the pandemic, as I said, it was supposed to be a 10 episode season. They'd only finished six episodes. Um, And Whedon then, we don't know what happened. We, we, We just told that he mutually agreed to step away. They hired a new showrunner. But then they didn't actually finish the season. They said, we're going to air the first six episodes as season one, part one. And then we will come back and we will film the rest of the season and make a season one, part two, to come at some point later date. Um, and I feel like that, that was sort of done to see how well these six episodes did before they decided to keep funding it. Um and on the one hand, as Lacey noted, a lot of critics have not been happy about this show, and part of that is because it's really hard to separate like the artist from the art. And should you separate the artist from the art? Like this is a whole debate that like has been happening basically ever since Me Too happened. Um, you know, can and and the thing about Whedon is because he has these things like he fridges characters and he 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 likes to put in like these the the women basically hanging from trapezes all naked and their boobs in your face. Like it makes it very easy. <laughs> It makes it very easy for critics to go, oh, look at him. Of course, he's terrible. Look at what he's doing to women on screen, and and write the show off. And that I, he he it, it's not you know whether or not you think that's fair is not the point. The point is that it's very easy to do. And these this show got a lot of critici- ch- critics critics lending to the bad parts of Whedon, um when they talked about this show. But at the same time, well,
0: the thing is though is that I think. I think this is very unfortunate for this show, which is going to have to answer for a lot of things that it has nothing to do with, because this was the first Whedon adjacent, Whedon connected property to see the light of day after everything about what happened to charisma Carpenter came out after what happened with his time on the justice league movie came out. So it's like people haven't had a place to put that anger really um at least not in like a professional sense like we all tweeted about it um and lord bless charisma carpenter who just seems like an amazing woman who should have had a much better career than she has been given in the wake of what happened to her on angel but um so i feel like the nevers whether or not this is fair or deserved is getting dumped on because it's the first place that a lot of entertainment critics have had a place to put their anger and their disgust and to voice how much, because a lot of us back in the day, I mean, I'm not the only person who who writes in the entertainment world who loved the Buffyverse, who loved Firefly, who loved all of Whedon's other works. And I still stand by the love of those properties. I think he's a dirtbag and, I am actually really, like, saddened by that because I did love so much of his work. And I know that I'm not alone in that, in in the entertainment sort of writer space. But right now, a lot of people don't want to claim that first part. (laughs) They just want to be like, he sucks and here's why. And I totally, fully agree with and support that move. Like, that is the move. He sucks and here's why. But it also... He sucks and here's why is not the never sucks and here's why. And we spent a lot of time talking about the former and very little time talking about the latter.
1: You know, I think that I think that the Nevers had a lot of problems. I think it desperately needed editing by someone outside of Whedon. I think that someone should have told him that, that you can't put the... Even though he literally made... Like, for all the massive amount of plot that I literally spewed for like 10 minutes at you guys. Like, watching it doesn't feel overwhelming. When mm. you're literally physically really watching like,
0: it. I really yeah. like a lot of the characters. I think... Somewhere in the morass of all of this, the show is really saying something interesting about the difference in sort of superhero storytelling between individual versus collective power. I think um, that the reason these, I mean, like I said, it's not an accident that all of these touch girls, all of the touched are like 90% women and they're 90% women of no stature. And I think it's really interesting that that was the choice and the move is to bring them all together, not to like, form the X-Men to go out and like save the world, but to bring them together to protect each other. And I think that's a really interesting inversion of a lot of these tropes that we should poke more at. And I think if if there were a little less going on, the show would have more space to do that. But I think there are really interesting nuggets in this show that, and I hate that I'm gonna say this and it's gonna sound like I'm defending Joss Whedon, but I'm not. Uh, as someone who has watched many of his shows, all of his shows, really. Um, another trend in his work is that it does take some time for his shows to find their feet in terms of, of what they're trying to say and to kind of work through all of the kinks, to use a not quite accurate word. So I feel like I feel like three episodes in, this show isn't going to be the same as it is six episodes in. Um, I don't know. I was going somewhere with that, but it's just, I think there's really interesting nuggets and interesting choices in this show. But I think, I think it's getting buried by uh, too much happening in the uninteresting lanes of the show. And also because of Whedon and the show can't do anything about the latter part.
1: Yeah. I mean, I am very hopeful. As I said, there was a new showrunner brought on. Um, I believe the number was somewhere around the 1.4 million, uh, line of viewers who checked out the show um when it when it premiered a couple of weeks back on hbo and that it is also doing decently well on hbo max streaming um i am i despite the fact that it has been you know it it is not critically acclaimed you know HBO could decide that it wants to keep going with this and do you know the other four episodes or maybe extend it to six as a, a season one part two and sort of allow a new showrunner to come in and sort of like streamline this and clean it up and and and, and make it a little bit better like I mean the, the thing is is that the actor the, the the shock of how many great actors are in this thing uh, just just keeps getting to me like Ruth Sheen walked out as the housekeeper um for pip torrens's house and i fell over like i'm like she's in this right like dennis o'hare is like the evil doctor oh we love dennis o'hare right? H-S- american horror story family forever like i just there is so many great i have British no act- idea why dennis
0: o'hare is in the show or what his character is doing but i wish him success in every endeavor
1: Right, like, honestly, like, the the, the who's who of this show is genuinely, like, you look at, you you know that people must have looked at this and said, this is the next Game of Thrones, sign me the heck up. Right, like, and, and it's even obviously HBO thought this was going to be the next Game of Thrones 2 simply because of where it premieres you know we, we talked about this a little bit when we did the Downton Abbey 10 year anniversary uh, a few weeks back about how like Downton Abbey literally changed the way that PBS views its schedule and that like the big show now comes in the old Downton Abbey slot Game of Thrones did that for HBO HBO used to premiere stuff in the fall now the big show always comes in April um, and that is a, a real thing and this show Show came right in the Game of Thrones slot. Like someone really thought that this was going to be the next big Game of Thrones. I and, mean, and you can see like the bones of it, though. Yeah, you can see what they saw that they thought this was going to be that, and it's it's frustrating because it could be. I don't know if it. I don't know if it quite could be that. But you know, I I will note that Game of Thrones, which is known for its extraordinary complex storytelling, did not have nearly that many storylines the first three episodes. Good lord. <laughs> Oh, course, It's true.
0: But like I said, I think a lot of the um, characters are really interesting because the show does a really uh, cool job, I think, of kind of interrogating. A lot of us just sort of assume that getting superpowers would be, like, really rad. Um, but most of these people, like, their their powers are either lame or have actively been a detriment to their lives. And their lives, like, weren't that great to start with for a lot of people. Like um, I'm thinking about uh, Lucy specifically, who is uh, oh that's the, Eliz-
1: that's played by Elizabeth Barrington. Uh, the character. Um,
0: she's the she has the ability to like uh, sort of break anything she touches, and the first thing she touched after becoming touched was her infant child, and she literally like broke her child to death, and that is like really horrifying and the sort of thing that you don't see like like normally in x-men movies sometimes getting powers is portrayed as a bad thing but that's usually because of an external force like you're being persecuted for some reason or poor like gene gray gets taken over by like cosmic aliens but like in this it's like they like getting that ability is the worst thing that's ever happened to her
1: But that also plays into some of the things that are bad about Joss Whedon's shows is that he has a tendency to, you know, substitute trauma for a character arc. Um, So, you know, the fact that she broke her baby, you know, she's now traumatized and that is part of her. And and, and that is one of the defining. I think
0: there's there's a difference between like the trauma of experiencing that being a thing that impacts the rest of your life and being the only thing that makes your character exist. I think those are two different things. Okay. And but I, will a- admit, I will admit, I will admit, because I know that you're talking about Buffy and Spike in season six, and I hate that. And I agree with you. Buffy should have stopped at the end of season five. And I will put my stake in the ground about that forever. Sorry, I love the musical, but like, it's not worth the rest of it. Um, But I just, I mean, I do think that they're, is something i just am really fascinated by like the choice of this particular setting for these particular powers and these particular people and i keep coming back to there's a there's a saying and i forget who says it. it might be it's shoot i'm gonna have to google who says this but um it's basically that at a certain point the most advanced technology becomes indistinguishable from magic And I have always been fascinated by that. And this sort of intersects, like, right there for me, especially when you look at somebody like Penance Adair, whose power is not that she can, like, throw lightning bolts or anything, but she can, like, see energy. And so she invents a bunch of stuff, which honestly is, like, a power I would be pissed if I had. I don't want to invent stuff. I want to light stuff on fire. But...
1: Um, you're you're thinking of, you're thinking of Arthur C. Clarke's three laws. Ah, I knew it. I was I was like,
0: it's somebody really sci-fi, but I and feel actually like
1: that... I I and the only reason I know that is because in one of my very first Never's pieces, I started with that in the opening <laughs> paragraph. <laughs> Great minds, my friend. But like, you know what I mean? I feel like this show is
0: very on that line because it's a very I know it's trendy to set sort of like supernaturally things in the Victorian era because it is such a Crossroads of really intense religious fervor, really quick technological advances, really quick social progress. Like, there's a woman on the throne of England. It's like a very good melting pot for a lot of these sort of conflicting ideas and tropes and things. And I think that that is where the Nevers is most interesting because, like, this, like, a lot of people looking from the outside at all the touch people, they're like, oh, this is definitely magic even though it's kind of mostly not, I don't know. I'm expressing this badly, but like, that's what I keep getting sort of sucked into with, about this show
1: there, there's a there's a scene in episode two where um lady bidlow basically brings a bunch of the touched over to basically have to basically have them be the entertainment at her party and her reasoning to do that is you know basically to get get good pr to sort of counter this serial killer story that's been running in the papers and like they do they bring like you know we have the 10 foot tall girl who basically stands around and gets her picture taken with people and we have you know lucy breaking things on command and she you know like each of these things are like, like
0: think about it like think about how that has to feel right like for a woman to be trotted out to like break a vase for people when she like killed her own kid
1: yeah and and the thing is is that like i get what you're saying about lucy and honestly i think in a vacuum i wouldn't the thing is just like everything else in the show in a vacuum lucy would not bother me But it's Lucy combined with Amalia True, who basically was in the middle of committing suicide when she when her touched when she basically got her touched power and turned and it saved her life. And we don't really know why she was committing suicide, but clearly she had a very bad life and she's very, very traumatized. And she goes around drinking and beating people up. Um, Yeah, I am curious as to how she's like a ninja because that's not like
0: a particular thing that ladies of this time are allowed to do. Right, and right. then like,
1: and then Madel- uh, malady is basically like her whole backstory is that she was being like taken away to an asylum when her touched power manifested, and like she basically like there's this whole thing about how she was been massively like she's been raped over and over again, and she's been abused in these asylums, and uh. like, and, and here's the thing: we know that that's a we know that's a true thing. We know that women were treated that way. It's not wrong for that to be a plot point. But it's when you combine it with everything else, it is a lot. And I wish um, I wish the show
0: were a little bit clearer about the fact that part of the part of the reason that it's so okay for Pip Torrance, whose character's name I probably should learn at some Masson. point, whatever, and <laughs> like all of the other sort of old men that sit in rooms a- and drink with him, like they're very much of the time that says that women like hysteria I'm making air quotes like hysteria and the that isn't like hysteria is sort of a thing that that people would just sort of call any woman that was uppity basically like there's no we see Malady being kind of dragged off towards a a, a padded wagon basically in this in the series first episode but we like don't actually know if she's crazy or if she just did something that or I mean, she's certainly I think crazy now, a product of all of this that led to this point. But at that moment, we don't actually know if she is mentally disturbed or was simply a woman who did something Amanda didn't like.
1: Yeah, and I, it's just it's it's just so much so fast like and even though like everybody here is working their tails off to do like amazing performances like even the small stuff like uh, uh, the the desiree lady uh who's played oh by, i love her she's played by ella smith <laughs> and she is she is fantastic like she is comedy gold
0: and like i mean that's it, another really sucky power like her power is basically like she's sort of forces people to not just be truthful but like to want to tell her like the secrets of their
1: hearts basically yeah she's she's like wonder woman's golden lasso in human but form but a person <laughs> And like she's great. Like and it, and and the fact that her power sucks. Like she she hates it. She's so annoyed that all these people just keep bloody confessing their sins to her. And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, get on with it." Um like she's
0: I mean, like, cuz she's also a a prostitute. So she doesn't really care
1: about what their sins are. Like she's great. And that's the thing is that like each of these, they each of these like little moments.
0: Can I just say that I love that the show doesn't judge her for that. No, of course like, not. Like That's really like that's. There's just so. I don't know. I just think there are so many good pieces of this that it just makes me so mad that there are so many not good pieces because like,
1: like you just need to go in and clean out the brush is kind of what needs to happen here to this show is you just need to you 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 need to you need to take one plot point off before leaving the house.
0: (laughs) I really think it's more like two, possibly three, (laughs) but it's a. I don't know, like. Like I said, I think the characters are really interesting and interesting in unexpected ways. But I also don't care about um, the sad cop and I don't care about James Norton.
1: Like, I, okay, I. it's not that I don't care about, I think he's a, I think he would be great leading his own cop show. Um, I just don't understand why, like, there needs to be, like, seven different, like, character layers to him. He can just be, he could just be a cop and it would be fine. Right? Like, we don't need, you know, we don't, we don't need, like, all of the, it, it, we don't need, like, all of these layers, okay? You can take some of them back, or you can save some of them for season two, right? Like, they don't all need to be here all at once in your face all the time it is exhausting and that is basically my response to the nevers is that after there are so many things where i am just like i am so exhausted by this show when i'm done watching it
0: (laughs) um i have a question what do you think the title means they never, they never use the title.
1: I actually do know the answer to this because is it a spoiler? No. Um, Whedon talked about this in uh when the show was v- first introduced back and like when the because they, first-
0: they never say the words the Nevers and the the Touch never refer to
1: themselves as the Nevers. Basically, they are when. When the show was first greenlit back in 2017 or 2018, whenever it was, Joss Whedon was at a convention and he was asked what it meant, and he basically said it means they never should have existed. That they are the, that that to that they are the they are the nevers because they are the never should have existed, and it honestly that's not not the answer i was hoping for um honestly it kind (laughs) of went over real badly with people like that's really not the answer i wanted right like it it was it was it was it was it was basically like part of the it was part of the downward slide that whedon was at that point already experiencing from uh uh the the second avengers not doing well and justice league basically being a disaster and people were like you said what about your women characters um and so like i think the reason that it's actually never said in the show is because it, it pulled so badly but they couldn't change the title by then Woo!
0: <laughs> yeah
1: i was unaware of that and now i regret knowing it so again, like, and this is, uh, this is another reason why like having someone who sort of has that attitude towards his own show, like says a lot about why, about what, you know, like, perhaps this is not the man to be writing. Yes, he came up with it. Yes, it's a, it's a fun concept. And it's interesting. But maybe he shouldn't be the one actually running it. And um, I, if anything, I really hope for season one, part two, I really do hope for it, because I want to see what happens. Happens when this show is under the direction of a woman? Yes,
0: I feel like I, I, as much as I totally understand why, prior to all of this stuff becoming public knowledge, people were like Joss Whedon, obviously. But like looking at the show from a distance, you're like, how did they ever think that a woman should not be running the show? Like there's like three men in it.
1: Just just so you know, uh, it's British screenwriter Philip Philippa, Philippa Goslett, um, basically... she basically one of
0: the writers. She was involved in the show already, so yeah.
1: um, she basically, um, I think the th- the thing people might know her the best for is the uh, How to Talk to Girls at Parties, um, the which was a uh, that had Elle Fanning and Nicole Kidman in it, um, and it was a it wasn't like a big like it wasn't a big like hit, but it like was. It was it, it debuted at Cons and like it was a festival circuit kind of anyway, you, you should check if you haven't seen it, you should check it out because it's really great. Um and Matt Lucas is in it. Um oh, yeah. we love Matt Lucas. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I I have seen it and I do actually really love it. Um so I, I would I I have high hopes for this show moving to her. But yeah.
0: I, I really I really hope that the best case scenario here is that much like Uh, his last series that he did was dollhouse which had some very problematic elements and a very rough start but i think turned out to be pretty great by the end but it got canceled um because no one watched it and i hope that this is uh more of of that where the show kind of comes together a little bit
1: um, I will say that one of the other thing that's going for it, not just the fact that, like, you know, an actual, like, serious amount of people did tune in for it for an HBO show, um, is that HBO Max needs programming. I mean, it just... <laughs> no, 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 listen, okay? The thing about, like, streaming services is that they churn through... I mean, seriously... Netflix puts out 60 titles a month, people. 60. Do you know how hard it is for there to be like oxygen for the rest of the entertainment universe when one service is literally putting out 60 titles a month? I mean, and the fact is, is that HBO Max needs content. It needs content that can break through that kind of wall that's being put out by a competitor. And even though I'm. The Nevers is... is I don't actually know anybody outside the entertainment sphere who has checked it out so far. Um, but even so, like, I feel like if HBO Max sort of sticks with this, you know, Joss Whedon's name is pretty big and the show did get a heck of a PR push. And if they just sort of keep with it and let it get better we could actually have something here. And that's the thing, as you said, it's slow start. Like one of the things that has sort of been lost in this, you know, rush to streaming is that things get canceled really fast in a way they never did Mm -hmm. back in the day.
0: Like think about, think about like parks and rec, which I realize it's parks and recreation. It's an NBC comedy. The first season of that show is honestly one of the, the entire first season, not just like the first three episodes is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, it becomes what it becomes one of the best shows one of the best comedies NBC ever had after that but you got to like the the first season is real bad
1: Yeah. Um, The Office is another one. The American Office, the first season, the first season tries to be way too much of the British Office for American audiences. And it's amazing that it became like a huge American hit because that first season was so not a thing that hits big over here. And most people sort of forget that it exists conveniently because it really didn't work so well. Um, But anyway, the point is, is that like, I would really like to see this show get like, you know, get another chance um to basically take off that extra plot point every time it leaves the house um and to to see if giving it some breathing room and and not trying to rush everything into like 50 minutes every single time would really benefit it i agree also less naked women hanging from ceilings
0: yes true and also, like, less of James Norton character just existing to, like, have sex with women in random places. Like, that's just very weird. Listen,
1: we know you started in Grantchester. We forgive you. Get over it.
0: Right? Honestly.
1: <laughs> um,
0: okay. I think somehow, despite the fact that I feel like I didn't really say anything, we have talked for quite a while about this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you to everyone who uh, sat through this, who ignored... Whatever weird sounds are in the background of my home right now, um, we appreciate it. Annie, tell the people where you live online.
1: Uh, let's see. I am Annie Bundle on Twitter. I am Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. Um, if you want pictures of my cats, you can go to Annie Bundle at uh, Instagram. Um, they are very fuzzy. Let's see. I am a staff writer at Elite Daily. I am a regular contributor for Televisions, and I also, you know, basically write around the web. And this week, um, I have been writing about Shadow and Bone. Um, and there's a lot of Shadow and Bone, so you could go find my stuff. Um, I basically retweet all my bylines. So if you want to like, you know, basically like know what I've been writing this week, be my friend on Twitter. Okay. Thanks.
0: Oh, the thanks is cute. Um, I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And I also write about a lot of things, including the never sometimes, uh, but also mostly shadow and bone this week, which I do think we're probably going to talk about on the show soonish. Um, just because I really liked it and I loved the books, and I have all the power, so get ready for that. Anyway, um, if you want to have less of me talking but more of my adorable cats, the boys live on Instagram at Baker and Hammer. The site and the pod are also on social media. We are at Televisions Blog, all one word, on Facebook and Tele underscore Visions on Twitter. Uh we. I just said that, I was about to repeat myself. Caught it, haha. ha. Uh, televisions is a product of WETA. And if you like what we do, you can visit televisions.org to help us keep doing it by clicking on the Donut button up top or just sharing some of the many great pieces that have gone up recently. I particularly love one Janet did for us about the history of Atlantic Crossing because I didn't know any of it. So. Uh, that is our train wreck for this week. Less less train wreck than I feared, but not perfect either. So thanks for being here. As always, take care of yourselves as we approach what the kids are apparently calling it, Shot Girl Summer. Get vaccinated as soon as you're available. Wear a mask in crowds and indoors. Take care of yourselves. Give the gift of hand sanitizer to your loved ones. Encourage everyone you know to get vaccinated because I can see the end of this, and I would like to get there. So that is my PSA for all of that. Thank you all so much for being here, and we'll be back next week.